Well, thank you for being here on this Father's Day weekend, and we're going to continue through our series through the book of, of Nehemiah. And so if, if you've been with us, you know we started this journey out a few weeks ago, and we begin learning a principle, and the, pr the principle is this, discipline, not desire, determines a person's destiny. Discipline, not desire. There's a lot of people that desire for uh, a lot of great things to happen in their life, whether it's in their career, whether it's a profession, whether it's relationships around them, whether it's to improve their life, whatever they are. But we've got to understand that it's not desire. Desire is not good enough. It's not, fact is, it's not enough. Your desires are good, but it has to be matched with discipline. Now, listen, if we look at that word, the definition of the word discipline from a secular mindset, in other words, we go to the dictionary and we say, what does that word mean today? then we would find some things about self-discipline that we put some things in our life to, to improve our life so that we have a right outcome. Now that's a secular view, secular definition of discipline. Biblical definition of discipline is this, and we're gonna see it played out in scripture in just a few minutes is, is that you and I, when we are disciplined, we create enough space in our life to allow God to act. See, it's totally different. In other words, we live our life in such a way that we create enough space in our life to allow God to do some things, to allow God to, to, to answer some prayers or whatever. Uh, so it's discipline, not desire, that ter determines a person's destiny. Now, today, as we, end, as we start into another portion of scriptures and a portion of talk. Today we're going to look at how to overcome opposition. Next week we're looking at conflict and then the following week we're going to look at the issue of discouragement. Because here's the deal, when you begin rebuilding a life, you will have to deal with all three of these. Remember this is more than just rebuilding a wall. This is way more than that. The, the people of Israel, the Jewish people were unfaithful. They had walked away from God and they are coming back to faithfulness. So God is restoring, rebuilding they're alive. And so we've got to understand about this issue of opposition that we're all going to have to deal with it. Fact is, in Nehemiah's life, opposition never ended. Opposition never ceased. Now, today we're going to start learning a new principle as we walk through these next three talks, and that is this. Your doubt, your doubts are not your problem. Your unbelief is. Your doubts your doubts about your life, your doubts about how things are gonna work out, your doubts, my doubts are not my problem. My unbelief is. See, your doubts in life, when doubts come, are a reflection of the root issue, the deeper issue, which is this. It's an issue of unbelief. And so today, we're gonna to look at this issue that when God begins to rebuild a life, when God begins to rebuild people, that we have to deal with this issue of opposition and the danger that it brings when we don't operate or we don't overcome it properly. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to, to Nehemiah. We're going to look at several chapters this morning in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to start out in Nehemiah chapter 2 and just touch on some things where we left off. We're pretty much going to blow past chapter 3, and we're going to spend most of our time uh, together this morning in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're going to look at this issue of how to overcome opposition in your life. So, so here's the first principle, three principles this morning. When opposition comes, not if, but when opposition comes in your life, you must not get distracted. When you begin rebuilding a life, when you begin doing some things in your life, opposition will come. 
Opposition will come from different areas, from different groups of people. And you just, the only way for you and I to escape opposition is just do absolutely nothing. Just go with the flow, go with the world. And so when you look at this issue of opposition, you find that there's three levels of opposition. So watch this. The first level of opposition, opposition usually comes first in verbal attacks. Opposition will usually come first, initially, the first level in verbal attacks. Watch this, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what the scripture said. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this. So what did they hear? Watch this. It displeased them greatly. So what did they hear that upset them so bad? What was the horrible thing that Nehemiah was doing that all of a sudden they're displeased? Watch this. That someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. He's doing what God asked him to do. He's doing, listen, there's a false belief out there that believes if I just do what God has called me to do, it will not upset anyone. No one will get upset. No one will oppose me. Everybody will just kind of go along with me because I'm following. Nehemiah is doing exactly what God has told him to do. He's not even doing a horrible thing. I mean, this group of people, they've been scattered. Uh, uh, they're poor. They're, the walls are down. There's no safety. There's no protection. And Nehemiah feels called of God to go and restore them. So watch this, verse 19. If we just skip down, we'll watch how this plays out. But when Sanballat the Horonite... Uh, and Tobiah the Ammonite, servant of Geshem, an Arab, heard it. They jeered at us, despised us, and said, What is this thing that you are doing? What is that Jesus thing that you're doing? What is that church thing that you're doing? What is up with that? I mean, we know you. Is this a phase? Is this a phase just because the walls are down in your life? Because there's just hurt and pain all around you? What is, what is this thing that you're doing? What is this phase that do you really think it's going to help? Do you really think it's going to work? And then the accusation gets a little bit more serious. Are you rebelling against the king? You see, that was a dangerous accusation because that could mean death. Are you rebelling against the king? Is that what's going on here? Now, don't forget, if you've been with us through the series of Nehemiah, you know that the king gave approval for it. fact is, the king had bought into it. He had given Nehemiah his Lowe's credit card, right, to buy all the lumber for the wall. He had given Nehemiah a passport. He had given Nehemiah time off from his position. Everything had worked out. The king knew about this. fact is, the king is in total support of this. Listen, when people are upset with you, when people are displeased with you, when people feel threatened, by you it doesn't matter what form of leadership it's in it doesn't matter what form of arena it's in when they feel threatened displeased when when they don't like what you're doing even if it's a good thing who could be mad with a guy that wants to help the poor that wants to feed the hungry that wants to rebuild safety to a group of people but listen let me tell you something when someone feels threatened by you They'll attack. You see, the problem was when you start looking at this, these guys only cared about themselves. They only cared about their power. They only cared about their influence. They only cared about themselves. They didn't care about Nehemiah. They didn't care about that the walls were down for a group of people and they weren't safe and they didn't have, have food and they didn't have trade and they didn't have all the things that they needed. See, these guys, listen, let me just tell you. 
When a group of people oppose you, you've got to begin to ask some question. Who are these guys? What do they want? Why are they really upset? What are their motives? Are their motives for my good? Are the motives, or is it just selfish? Is it just a selfish agenda? You see, if we do a little bit of research about who these four guys are, they're four kings. They're, they're, the, they're, the most they're, they're the most powerful kings of their time. A king from the north, a king from the south, a king from the west, and a king from the east. If the walls are rebuilt, they lose their power. They lose their influence. It hurts them financially. When you start asking yourselves these questions, who are these guys? They're powerful. What do they want? What are their motives? Why are they upset? These guys are upset because they're about ready to lose their power. They're about ready to lose their influence. They don't care about Nehemiah. They don't care about these people that are scattered. They only care, listen, they only care about themselves. There are times when people oppose you and they don't care anything about you. They care about their agenda. They care about their life, their motives, their things. See, I don't know if you've ever felt like Nehemiah. I have. Nehemiah had opposition, if you will, on every front. It surrounded him. The north, the south, the, the west, the east. He couldn't go anywhere. If you want your life to count, if you want to change your life, if you want to put some things into your life that, that match your desires, discipline not desired, determines a person's destiny, there will be some people that will jeer at you, make fun of you, and attack you. And don't be surprised when it comes. So the first level of opposition, what we find in Scripture, is these verbal attacks, this, this, op, this, this, this accusations. The second thing is we'll escalate it. If you don't back down, how about this? Intimidation. If they can't discourage you, see, here's the deal. The critics did not want the wall rebuilt. And can I just tell you something? The greatest danger when opposition comes is that we get distracted and we believe that our goal in life is to make all of our critics happy. That will never happen. Fact is, Nehemiah's critics, they never got happy. Any, even when later on we're going to learn and we're going to read where, they, where, where everybody knew that God had done a huge work to rebuild the wall. These guys, fact is, the higher the wall got, the greater their accusations, the greater their anger became. And so all of a sudden you see it escalates to intimidation. Watch this, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, so, so initially... He was displeased when he heard through the rumor mill that this group of people were going to rebuild the wall. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just a thing they are talking about. It isn't just not a thing that they are planning. They're actually going to do it. And so now, all of a sudden, his anger escalates, and it says, we're rebuilding the wall, and his anger was greatly enraged. Anger will often be the world's response to God's work because it challenges their worldview and their values. See, the world thinks it's a great thing that fellowship, our community thinks it's a wonderful thing that Fellowship of the Rockies does Single Mom's Oil Change Day. 
that we do VBS and we help children. They think it's a wonderful thing that we feed the poor and help the homeless. They think it's a wonderful thing that we pay the rent for people and we help them with electricity and we help them meet their needs and all these other things. They think it's a wonderful thing. But when a church shares the gospel with them, when the church prays for them, when the church ministers to them, it challenges their worldview, it challenges their values, and that's when they begin to push back. I mean, Steve didn't have time to tell you all the stories, but we had a, a single mom's oil change day. Uh, a man showed up to have his oil changed. And so they kind of looked at him kind of strange because it's for single moms. And so he says, you guys don't understand. He says, my mom was scheduled to have her oil changed this morning and, and uh, she had a heart attack and she's at Parkview Hospital and, and my sister is there with her. And the thing that she was the most worried about is, is uh, she wanted to get her oil changed. And I told mom, I says, you know what? Don't you worry about it. I'll go down there and get your oil changed. And uh, you know what? It gave our church an opportunity to pray for her, or pray for him and pray for her, to encourage them and to support them. I mean, you, you've got to understand sometimes when, when opposition comes, it sometimes challenges, and watch this. And so he, so he, he jeered, and he jeered at the Jews. You continually watch it escalate. Because here's what happens. People around you, that want to control you. When you meet Christ and you want some change in your life and they no longer have control over you, they're going to be angry every time. And here's what's happening. The four kings thought that, you know what, we can control this deal. And they're realizing they can't. And so instead he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? You can't do this. I know you. I know your past. I know what you've done. This is just a Jesus thing. This is just a thing. You're not strong enough to do this. What are these feeble Jews? What are these weak Jews trying to do? I mean, it's intimidation. Watch this. We'll go a little bit deeper. Will they restore it for themselves? Your doubts are not your problem. Your unbelief is. They're trying to cast doubt into their life. And watch this. Will they sacrifice? Your faith isn't real. You don't really know Christ. And the walls are down in your life, and there's rubble everywhere, and there's problems everywhere, and there's consequences everywhere. This is just a phase you're going through. When everything works out for you again, you won't, this is just a phase. I want, I want you to see how it even escalates. Watch this. Will they finish it up in a day? People that, people that intimidate you, people that are critical, people that form oppositions against you will always use unrealistic expectations against you. 
The walls have been down 141 years. Two guys came before Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. One, all he was able to do was to rebuild the, the altar. The next guy comes, all he was able to do is rebuild the temple. Nehemiah is attempting to do something that nobody has been able to do, that nobody has been able to accomplish. Now, he finishes the wall in 52 days in record times, but it is unrealistic to expect that they're going to rebuild the walls overnight. And guess what? There is no way that you will ever rebuild your life overnight. You didn't get there overnight, and you won't get out of it overnight. Some of you have built rubble in your life, and, and, and you have learned a lot of survival skills, just how to get through it. And you are not going to unlearn a new way of living overnight. And you can distract yourself with unrealistic expectations. Critical people, people that oppose, will always give unrealistic expectations to all of those that are around there, and these guys are no different. Watch this, a little bit deeper. Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that, people will try to intimidate you by bad information. They have found the walls, archaeologists have found the walls that Nehemiah rebuilt, and when you read some of their writings and some of their discoveries, you find there wasn't one stone that was built, was burned. Not one. Unrealistic. Bad information. Tobiah the Ammonite and was beside him and said, now this is, have you ever been in, in this stuff and people are opposing you and then the comments kind of start out serious and threatening and all this stuff and then they move to serious to just ridiculous and that's where we're at. Watch this, they're no different. That's why I love the Bible, that's why I love scripture. It's just honest. It's just real. I mean, we can see these same things played out in our life today. There's not much difference between us and what Nehemiah is going through, if we're honest about it. Watch this. So yes, what they are building, if a, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Discoveries show that the wall was nine feet thick. Yeah, you can rebuild your life, but it's a waste of time because you're going to destroy it. Because I know you. I know your past. I know the rubble that is around you. Listen, the only way that you and I can successfully rebuild a wall is like Nehemiah, or rebuild our life is like Nehemiah. We're not, when we are not rebuilding our life for anyone but God. Man, I'm telling you, you rebuild your life because of relationships around you are upset with you, because of things aren't going well for you, you will not successfully rebuild your life until you and I come to the point. Say, so, you know what? No matter how long it takes me to rebuild trust, no matter how long it takes you to see that this is real, it doesn't really matter to me because I'm not doing this for you. I am rebuilding my life for God. The second level, the last level of intimidation or opposition comes. It comes in the form of verbal assaults. It comes in the form of, of intimidation. Then watch this. It comes in the form of threats. I mean, you, 
I mean, they're making all these remarks, and now, that, now they begin pl plotting about how they can stop the work. We're going to find in Nehemiah chapter 6, not today, but that is for another day, that as the wall continued to go up, the opposition never ceased. In fact, it got more and more intense. And so opposition for Nehemiah never ended. So for Nehemiah, it's just the worst type of opposition, just the worst type of conflict. It's on, it's on the outside. It's, it's internal com, uh, uh, conflict that's going on, so it's all around him, but it's also conflict directed directly at him. And so Nehemiah was able to stay focused, and the reason that he was able to stay focused and how he stayed focused was through the issue of prayer in his life. And Verse 4, watch this. Here's his prayer. This is after all the threats, all the intimidation, all the stuff that went down. He said, Hear, O, hear, o our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. That gives us some insight into the life of critics. Critics are unhappy people. Critics are some of the most unhappy people. They may look on the outside that they're perfect and everything's going great in their life and everything's lining up, but I'm just telling you. Critics are just held captive or held in bondage because they've never learned to trust in anything other than themselves and their life. And these are no different. See, the reason that Nehemiah was able to have, stay focused and not get distracted is because Nehemiah understood, I'm doing what God has called me to do, and when you oppose me, you're opposing God. And there is great confidence in this. And here's just the amazing thing about Nehemiah, and we don't even have time this morning to just spend a lot of time unpacking it. When opposition came in Nehemiah's life, he didn't take it out on people, he talked it out with God. That is so hard. That is so hard. When people are attacking you and people are hurting, so many times we take it out on the people around us that love us the most. Nehemiah didn't do that. And Nehemiah didn't suppress it. Nehemiah didn't ignore it. Man, Nehemiah came to this point. He just, he just, he processed it with, with, with God. And he says, you know what? Turn back their taunts on them. That may be a great memory verse for some of us. Just to pray for those that are opposing you, your critics. Watch this. He goes on in his prayer, verse 5. Do not cover their guilt and let their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So how does Nehemiah respond? Does he give in to his critics? He said, well, they're right. I can't do it. I can't change my life. I can't make the changes. Look what he does, verse 6. So we built the wall. We continued on. I'm doing this for God. I'm not doing this for your approval. I'm not doing this so you'll like me better. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for God. And so we continued on, and we built the wall. And, the, and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. The wall's going up, the wall is rising, and opposition is rising as well. And, and the people didn't get distracted because they had a, a mind to do the work. But 
Can we just stop right there and just realize that, okay, so the wall's at the half point, 20 some odd days, you know, several weeks they've been working. Isn't the halfway point of any project the most difficult point? I got tons of projects that are halfway. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the time? I mean, there's something about starting out a new project and you're so excited about what it's going to look like, what it's going to do, and how you're going to enjoy it and all this other stuff. But isn't it something about when you get to the halfway point that it becomes very, very difficult and it becomes discouraging? Watch this, verse 7. So that's where they're at. But when Sanballat to Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem was what? Was going forward. Listen, your critics will never like it that you ignore them. Your critics will never like it when they realize, and I don't care who they are, they will never like it when they realize I don't have any control over this person. They won't like it. And they're no different. And that the breaches were beginning to be closed. So you would think that Nehemiah being successful, the critics would say, oh, how wrong are we? No, they're more angry. So they were beginning to close and they were what? Not just angry, now we're very angry. Verse 8, here come their motives. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. That's the danger of opposition. That's the danger, and, and, and I don't know why it is, but usually, have you ever noticed uh, critics always travel in packs? And, and you see it just kind of growing. Everyone disagrees with you. Everyone thinks you're wrong. They're going to leave you. Everyone's going to leave. You keep doing this. You know what? You keep doing this. I've always wanted to know, who are they? Who is everybody? So what does Nehemiah do? Again, watch this. Verse 9. And so we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them, what? Day and night. I mean, this is a Jack Bauer style of ministry at its finest. I mean, a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other hand. I mean, this is practical spirituality, just working it out in, in before us. I mean, so many times if we're not careful... We try to get so spiritual that we don't have to work out how practical our faith is. What? You should pray, God, please protect my family tonight. But you should also go downstairs and lock the doors. When you travel in a car and go on a trip, you should pray, God, please keep us safe. That's good stuff to do. Keep us safe. Keep us, you know, all that stuff. But guess what? You should still wear your seatbelts. God, please keep me healthy. But guess what? Insurance is a good thing. It's not unspiritual. It's not a lack of faith. God, when I cross the road, please keep me from getting hit by a car. That's a good thing. But you know what? You still should look both ways. And guess what? This group is no different. God, they're plotting to kill us and they're plotting, plotting to hurt us and please protect us. But we're going to work with a shovel in one hand and a spear with another. Prayer without precautions is presumptuous. 
And God wants you to work out your faith. And he wants it to be practical. Jump down to verse 23. He says, look at this. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each, each kept his weapons at his right hand. You realize the arrows of their day, the arrows that they used at their day were accurate up to 400 yards? And they are doing what God has called them to do, but guess what? They're still protecting themselves. And they haven't reached this point of being so super spiritual that they don't understand it's balanced. And so there's some very practical people that never pray. And it all depends on them. There's some people that pray, but not very practical. And God wants us to have a balanced Christian faith to where practical, but but we pray. So the second principle when opposition comes is this, is when opposition comes that you're prone to discouragement. If you're not careful when opposition comes, when the critics come, you are very vulnerable. You are prone to discouragement. That is the most dangerous thing in the Christian life. Watch this, verse 10. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burden is falling. Those who are doing the work, those who have the mind to work, they're discouraged. The critics are getting more and more, and they're getting louder and louder. And why won't they agree with us? Why won't they see how successful? We're rebuilding a wall. Why can't they agree with us? Why can't they see what we're doing? Watch this. This is such a subtle but so important of a phrase. So their, their strength, the burden is falling. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Man, they're getting discouraged they're at the halfway point, the halfway of being done, and they're saying things like, you know what, there's too much rubble for us to complete the wall. Okay, don't ever forget this. Discouragement always distorts reality. Discouragement in your life, discouragement in my life will always distort reality. It will always make us exaggerate the problem, exaggerate what we're going through. We will never be able to see it from a proper perspective because here's the truth. There is not, well, here, there is less rubble now than when they started out. They're using the rock, they're using the rubble to rebuild the wall. There's not as much rubble as when they started out. What are they talking about? There's too much rubble. The, the problem is they're discouraged. Discouragement will always distort your reality. And guess what? When, we rebuild a lot, when we're rebuilding our life and when we're putting some biblical principles in our life, when we're trying to do it for God and not for anyone else, that if you're not careful, you will, you will get to the same point and you will get to this place. You know how you're there? Is when you begin saying things like, I've got so far to go. There's so many problems around me. There's so much rubble around me. There's more rubble now than when I started out. You will always get discouraged when you look at how far you've got to go instead of how far you've come. You will always get discouraged when you don't take time and realize, well, this is what I'm rebuilding in my life, and this is what I've put in my place, in, in place in my life. And you don't rebuild a life overnight, and you don't rebuild a wall overnight, you don't rebuild relationships overnight, and you don't rebuild families overnight. And you have got to learn to work through the rubble 
in your life? What's the rubble in your life? What's the stuff? How are you working through it? Are you discouraged? The final and last principle is this, is when, when discouragement or when opposition comes is there is a danger. I mean, I'm sorry, the cure for discouragement is to, to build true community. The cure for discouragement or when opposition comes depend on close relationships. I've said it a bunch of different ways. And verse 11 says this. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Your relationships around you are the most critical thing. That you have discernment. Your closest friends, they want to stop the work that God's doing in your life or they want to encourage you. A lot of times when people get discouraged and discouragement distorts reality, people begin seeing their enemies as their friends and their friends as their enemies. They begin seeing those that want to speak truth into their life and try to encourage them and help them as their enemies. You've got to understand for you and I to successfully rebuild a life. We have to form and develop a biblical community. God always heals in the midst of community. Verse 12, watch this. And at that time, the Jews who lived near, near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lower parts of the space behind the wall in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans. Why? Because community is important. Having people around you that encourage you, that pray for you, that accept you is critical. With their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked, arose, and said to the nobles and to, to the officials and to the rest of the people, watch this. Do not be afraid of them. Who is them? Your critics. The ones that are opposing you. The ones that are trying to stop what God is doing in your life. Because why? They want to have control over you. It's their motives. It's their agenda. It's their stuff. Do not be afraid of them. Why? Remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome and fight for your brothers. Listen, you have got to understand that if you want to rebuild your life, you have got to fight for your marriage. You've got to fight for your relationships. You've got to fight for your family. Unity does not happen by accident. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and for your homes. I mean, Nehemiah begins to point them to the Lord because they've got distracted and they're discouraged and discouragement is, is, is distorting their reality. Man, let me tell you, if you feel today that there is too much rubble in your life to rebuild it, you're discouraged. And you need to remember the Lord who fights for you, who doesn't give you guilt, who doesn't give you discouragement. Your critics might. And they may act like they speak for him, but they don't. And Nehemiah not only pointed them to Christ or to God, he also pointed them to one another. And 
It, 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 we see this played out in Nehemiah chapter 3, and I can sum chapter 3 up in just a few words, and just next to him, next to him, next to him. You find that Nehemiah, all the way through Nehemiah chapter 3, it says, I put this person next to him, and next to him, and next to him, because relationships are critical, because God only heals you in community. And so, verse 3, just want to read it, watch this, in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 5, and next to him, the Techites repaired, but the nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. The nobles, they, they didn't want to work. They just wanted to be in charge. Later on, they run for political office. <laughs> Some things never change. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll get off on a tangent, but let me just, let me just ask you. Man, it's such a sobering verse. But the nobles wouldn't stoop to serve God. What is said of you? You'd find your place on the wall, or I would not stoop to serve God. I would not lower myself in my church to serve those around me. I know they have needs. And I know they need all kinds of people to come alongside of them and help them, but not me. I wouldn't stoop. It's about me. It's about my comfort, about my likes, about my dislikes. I wouldn't stoop to serve people that are in my office. I wouldn't stoop to serve God through my family and humble myself. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, do not forget this. Stooped to serve. What is said of you? I took my assignment on the wall are I'm not stupid in the Hebrew that means to put your shoulder to the work it means to be yoked with one another is life all about you Healing comes in relationships, and healing comes when we begin to stoop and serve him, and we realize that we can make a difference. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work, and from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, coats of mail, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were, beginning, who were building on the wall. So here we go, watch this. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. In other words, guess what? Everybody stooped. Everybody served. It wasn't just 20%. Everyone gave. Everyone served in ministry. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side and while, while he built. 
And the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and wildly spread. And we are separated on the wall far from one another. Why? Because relationships are important because God heals us with one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally us there. Our God will fight for you. And our God, Nehemiah reminds them, our God will fight for us. And my question to you this morning is, where are you this morning? Because if you're not careful, opposition will keep you from making the decisions that you know God wants you to make. Opposition will keep you from accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and submitting to him and walking with him. Opposition in your life will keep you from following our Lord and Savior in believer's baptism by immersion because you're worried what family and friends may say or think about you as you humble yourself and follow him. Opposition, if you're not careful, will keep you from doing the things in your life that you know that God has called you to do and called, called you to put in place in your life. What is the rubble in your life? Listen, I'm telling you, God can take a life that has been totally destroyed and the walls are down and there's rocks everywhere. And God doesn't just redeem souls, but God redeems life. And God will take a shattered life. And he'll rebuild your life. Are you discouraged this morning? Maybe you've walked in this place and you thought, I got so far to go. Would you look at how far you've come and what God is doing in your life?